Welcome to the Wildflower Half Hour. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is a slightly different podcast for the new year, a rather exciting one no less. We are so pleased to be launching a junior section of Wildflower Hour this year called the Herbology Hunt. More on that later but this whole podcast is about the magic of wildflowers for children and so we have spoken to some young botanists to hear about why they enjoy hunting for plants. Hello, what's your name? I'm Arabella. And how old are you? Five. Wow, and do you like wildflowers? Yes. Do you have a favourite one? Uh-huh. What's that? Dandelions. Why do you like dandelions? <laughs> because they're really pretty and I make potions with them and they also load them. And then they disappear to, to nowhere. Oh, that sounds really lovely. So you like making magic potions with them and you like blowing them. Wow, that's excellent. So thank you very much, Arabella. And hopefully you'll come out wildflower watching with me again. I'm Molly and I'm five. So what's that, Molly? Violet peregrine. And it's a type of orchid, isn't it? Yes. What does it look like? It looks like a rainbow because it's colourful. And I really like it. And there's loads of flowers on it. Loads of flowers. And that yeah. one's just growing. Yeah. yeah. What colour are the flowers? Pink, green, <laughs> purple, mm. uh, loads of colours. And yellow. And yellow. Loads of colours. Yeah. What about the leaves? Same colour. The same. Mm. So is that your favourite orchid? Yes. And why is it your favourite? Because it's so colourful. Mm. And I wish it was speckly. You wish it was sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> and what about this one? Uh, hard name. It's got a hard name. Uh, I keep forgetting it. It's got a long tail. A lizard. It's a lizard orchid. Lizard. What, what do you like about that? Because this is another one you really like, isn't it? Yeah. I like it because it's long and wiggly. Yeah. It looks like party streamers, doesn't it? Yeah. And can you remember what the lizard orchid smells of? Billy Gold. Yeah, it smells of billy goats. Isn't that silly? So what about these two? What are they? They're the bee and the fly. Yeah, the bee and the fly orchids. And what do you know about bee and fly orchids? They look the same and they feel the same. How do they feel the same? Well, the bees, um, it has fluffy bottoms and bees have fluffy bottoms. So bees think it feels like another bee? Yeah. And what else? Uh, it smells like it. So they smell like bees and flies. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Flowers can do that. Yeah. Really clever. Why do you like looking for wildflowers? Um, because they're beautiful. <laughs> and are you good at them? I'm good at looking really small ones. Mm. You've got a real superpower at that, haven't you? Yes. Good at running. Good at running and finding them. Yeah. <laughs> I look on the ground always when I'm walking. Hello. Hello. Can you introduce yourself? My name is George and I'm seven years old. Excellent. So we're just going to have a little chat about wildflowers and I want you to tell us um, all the things that you love about them and how you look for them. Is that okay? Okay. Excellent. So can you tell me about what you like about wildflowers? I like that they're all different and beautiful and I go a walk with my family. And you, so you um, do it by going for walks, do you? Yes. And do you sometimes go on your own with me? Yeah. Yeah, and we have some good times, don't we? Mm-hmm. 
Do you have a favourite wildflower? Field pansy. And why do you like field pansy? Because it's got yellow petal and white petals. And so you like how it looks, do you? Is there another reason why you find it a special plant? Um, I go on a walk with my daddy and I found it, but he didn't. So you found it, but I didn't. How did that make you feel? Happy. Yeah, because you got in there first, didn't you? Where is your favourite place to go looking for wildflowers? The, the fairy woods. So you go to a special woodland, do you? Yeah. And what's, um, what kind of flowers do you find there? Um, I find bluebells and garlic. So you find wild garlic. What colour flowers the wild garlic got? It has white flowers. Do you have, I think you've got a funny story about, about wild garlic. Um, can you tell everyone about it? Once I was collecting leaves and I wanted to take them home, but I left them in the car and the car smelled really bad. Oh no, and what happened? Clean the car out? Yeah, and it took ages. Oh no, it was quite funny, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Do you take anything with you when you go looking for wildflowers? I take my magnifying glass and a, and a wildflower book. And do you use your, how do you use your wildflower book? I find some plants and then I try to search them. Yeah, and do I help you with that? Yeah. Because it's quite tricky, isn't it, looking for the wildflowers? Mm -hmm. And you said you take a magnifying glass. What do you do with a magnifying glass? Um, I look at the flowers and find how many petals there are and hairs. So you really are looking for quite detailed observations, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes Daddy takes some, some samples, don't I? What do I do with them when I bring them home? You, you let me use your microscope. So we look at the microscope together. Mm -hmm. And what kind of things have you seen using a microscope? Um, I've seen a, a daisy that there's really lots and lots of little plants. Of lots of little... Of little flowers. Inside it? Did that surprise you? Yeah. Yeah, because it's quite amazing that a daisy has lots of little flowers inside it. Um, how do you learn to recognise your wildflowers? Because my daddy tells me, and also we play a game where um, we used to go point for saying the right word when we find a plant. Oh, excellent. So do I find a plant and you have to tell me what it is? Yes. Yeah, that's quite a good game, isn't it? Is there a tree that you found, a plant that you found really tricky to identify, but now you know it? Hawthorn. And can you give any top tips for how you can identify hawthorn without any leaves on? There's thorns on it and also red berries. So you look for the thorns and you look for the red berries. Yeah. That's a really good tip. Can you give people another tip for identifying trees in winter? Okay. Oak has lots of little buds on it and... And it also, you look at the ground and you find some, you, you find some um, leaves which are thin and small and, and they've got lots of curves. So you look for the shape of the leaf as well. Yeah. That's a very clever tip, isn't it? A bit of a sneaky cheat for identifying the plants. So do you belong to any wildlife clubs? Oh, Wildlife Watch. And how often do you go to Wildlife Watch? I go to Wildlife Watch every once a month. So you go there once a month. And what kind of things do you do there? I, f I, I go on walks and find plants. I look at leaves and see if there is any insects on it. Great. So you're also looking for the kind of life that lives on plants yeah, as well. Yeah, and compare them. And you, you compare them from different places? Yeah, well, that sounds really interesting. Well, thank you very much, Georgia, for telling us about your wildflowers and how you look for them.
and I really hope that we can go out looking for wildflowers all the time. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm Maisie and I'm going to tell you what some flowers look like. This is a devil's bit scabious. It looks like a woman that's overdressed to go to the ball. What, like a big pom-pom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? This is a hogweed. And there's a bug on it that looks like it has a red mask on it and it's looking over lots of ballerinas. The flowers look like a ballerina's dress. Yeah. <laughs> and what about this one? This is a Deptford pink. It looks like the end of a bumblebee with puberty that goes this. <laughs> I think she means it looks like a bee has got acne. Exactly. <laughs> what she said. Let's look at some more. What about these? Ooh. They're they autumn look, ladies' tresses orchids. They look like somebody who's opening their eyes, like opening her mouth really there, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think they look like ladies' curly hair? No. No. <laughs> be a bit green and fluffy, wouldn't it? Yeah. That one? This is a carline thistle. It looks like somebody who's just taking, who's just eaten somebody, so all the guts are on his mouth. <laughs> so all the what? All the guts are on his mouth. <laughs> All the guts are on his mouth. Let's see at the end. <laughs> what about that one? This is a red Ooh, campion. Looks like a massive pink lion. A massive pink lion. This one. Firstly, what is this? It is a walney thingamabob. <laughs> a walney. Oh, a glidgeton. <laughs> it's a walney geranium. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> And where does the woolly geranium grow? In woolly. Does it grow anywhere else? No. And what does it look like? It looks a bit like like a, a ball with a massive pink spider kind of spreading out to go to bed. <laughs> in a bowl? Yeah. Bed in a bowl. <laughs> now this one I think is your favourite. Can you remember yeah. its name? The Scarlet Pimpernel. Why do you like it? Because it's lots of bright colours. There's red, purple and yellow on it. Can you remember where we found it? Oh, yeah, South Wollney Nature Reserve. There's we lots of cows. There were lots of cows, weren't there? And lots of flowers yeah. as well. So do you like hunting for wildflowers? Yeah. What do you like about it? We can see lots and lots of different coloured flowers. And, like, if you compare one to another, they usually look really different. My name is Olivia Fort, and I am 11 years old. Right, so, Olivia, I'm just going to ask you a few questions about wildflowers. Firstly, do you like wildflowers? Yes. And why do you like them? Uh, because they're very interesting and it's nice to find flowers you haven't seen before. So, you like looking for wildflowers? Yeah. And who do you go with to look for them? Um, with my family. Your family, okay. So, which flowers can you recognise by sight? Um, Forget-me-nots, primroses, snowdrops, English bluebells, ragwort, pineapple weed, wild roses, wild strawberry, daisies and dandelions. Okay, so what features are you looking at amongst all those different flowers to help you identify them? Leaves and um, the shape and colour of the flowers. Okay, excellent. And which is your favourite wildflower? English bluebells. The English bluebells. Okay, so are there other types of bluebells? Uh, Spanish bluebells. Spanish bluebells, okay. And what's the difference between the English and the Spanish bluebells? English bluebells, the flowers are thinner and 
they have their darker darker in colour and they um, tip to one side whereas the Spanish bluebells are lighter and they spread out. Spread out around the stem? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And is there any other differences that you notice between them? The Spanish bluebell have blue anthers and the English bluebell have cream anthers. Right, excellent. And do you have any other favourite wildflowers? Um, I like pineapple weed. You like pineapple weed? Oh, I used to like that one as well. So what is it about the pineapple weed that you like? I like the smell. And the, the smell. And what, what shape are the flowers? Um, they're like domes with like, pineapples. They look like pineapples as well. So they, they smell like pineapples and yeah. they look like little pineapples. Okay, yeah. that's great. So how, why would you encourage other children, do you think, to look for wildflowers? Um, because they're really interesting and pretty and it's important for us to know um, about wildflowers because we won't know that they're gone when they're gone if we don't know what they are. Okay. Um, also, they're important for animals such as insects and bugs and caterpillars. Good. So you think it's important that children learn about these things and they can name flowers and and they're obviously they're at the bottom of the food chain, aren't they, plants? So without them, all our other wildlife would disappear too. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much for allowing us to interview you. Will you be looking out for some more wildflowers soon? Yeah. What would you really like to see? I would really like to see some interesting um, carnivorous plants. Carnivorous plants. Should we go looking for those next summer? I also spoke to Reuben, who is 14 and already a skilled botanist. So when did you get into botany? About four years ago. What sparked your interest? Well, originally it was mainly gardening. I began to grow a few vegetables in the garden. I'd always liked wildlife, nature, especially birds. But after I got into gardening, it sort of moved on to plants. And you now are interested in wildflowers as well as plants that you grow yourself? Yes, I am. They're an important part of every ecosystem, so there's good reason to study them, learn to identify them. And how have you learnt more about them? Is it through books or have you been on courses or things online? I haven't been able to attend many courses, so I've learnt much. Most of what I learn know from books and a little from the internet. Why don't we talk about some of your favourite wildflowers? So are there any that you just think are particularly cool? I find orchids especially interesting. There are quite a few species near where I live, so I can usually find them by cycling or walking. What sort of orchids are they? There are several sites for various marsh orchids, dactylorizers, and also at one site there's Epipactis palustris, marsh hellebrine, and fragrant orchid. What does um what does the marsh hellebrine look like? It probably looks more like the more like the cultivated phalaenopsis you often see. It looks more like those than most orchids you see naturally. It's got quite big brownish and white flowers. It grows from a rhizome so it can form quite large stands. And what about the other orchids? Is fragrant orchid presumably that smells lovely? Some orchids don't smell great, do they? They're, like the lizard orchid smells of billy goats apparently. Fragrant, it smells faintly vanilla-like, but you have to get close to it to be able to detect the odour. What's the strangest wild plant that you've found yourself? Frog orchid. They're supposed to, they supposedly look like frogs. How do you think that other people your age could get into botany? I think people my age often consider plants quite boring as they don't, they don't move around or apparently don't move around or don't seem as active as birds and mammals. So it's probably most important to introduce people via the more interesting plants. 
do unusual things in this country. Probably orchids are best. They're often quite rare and take on unusual forms. And what do you want to do when you grow up? Is it something involving nature? Probably. I'm not entirely decided yet, but I think I would probably like a botany-related career. Perhaps it could be something involving being out in the field, because I like being out in nature. And then there's George Garnett, who developed such a strong love of wildflowers as a teenager that he's now studying ecology at university. So, George, how did you get into botany and what age were you? I was probably about 14. My hobby at that time was playing guitar. And so I decided for some reason, I don't know, I don't know why I decided to, but um, I decided to build a guitar. I became quite interested in the timbers that were being used because a lot of them are quite sort of, well, some of them are quite exotic and that. And I thought, like, where is this wood actually coming from? So I then decided to, to look at the trees that this wood was coming from. And I became quite interested in trees, almost by accident. And then from there, I developed an interest in trees and then all plants. And what excited you about plants? I have to say that guitars are more of a normal pursuit for teenage boys than plants. I I suppose it was just the diversity of plants that interested me. I don't know, I... I always quite liked like collecting things, and it just seemed <laughs> it seemed to be like a bit of an extension of that, I suppose. Yeah, just just seeing how many different trees I could see. And you've enjoyed it so much that you're now at university studying ecology. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit about that work. So you've decided to make botany and the environment your life. Yeah, if if you'd asked my fourteen year old self whether whether they could see me in five years' time, it certainly wasn't going to be this. So, yeah, it's quite, it's quite a bizarre way to get into botany. And how do you think that other young people could get into botany instead of guitars? Well, I, I suppose my way was quite fluky. The chances of getting into, you know, plants through that sort of way is quite slim, I suppose. It's quite a unique set of circumstances. And, but I think people can get interested in plants in quite a diverse number of ways. And I think, I think the real thing is just getting that initial that initial interest that enough for them to develop some sort of knowledge because I, I I mean when when people when people start looking at plants I think actually they are quite interesting I think the reason people don't don't study them and go and study animals say instead is um, just because animals appear probably initially more interesting but that's just because there's no there's no exposure to plants and you've observed plant blindness what is that well that was uh, an idea developed by Wondersee and Schussler. Apologies, I've got name wrong. They wrote a paper on it, so it's not my idea. <laughs> it's It's been been around for a while. I think 1998 was the first time it was published. So it's actually a year older than I am. So yeah, it, I suppose it's always been a problem. And it, it's essentially people almost biologically and culturally predisposed to ignore plants. I think some of the reasons they put forward for that were things such as the way our visual processing works. We look at plants as sort of one homogenous green sort of item in the background. Um, when things look similar, our, our brains don't sort of separate them. And so when you see like a zebra running out of the wilderness, you're looking at the zebra because that's that's broken that visual homogeneity. And then cultural things as well. So um, they mentioned the importance of mentors, plant mentors, who can get you that initial interest in plants. Did you have a plant mentor yourself? Did you have someone encouraging you along in learning more and more? Absolutely, yeah. And a number of people. I, I think botanists are, are really good people. They're just really nice. And, you know, one in particular is uh, Robbie Blackwell-Miles, who from quite an early age, he helped me. And, I... 
And if you want to encourage your friends to get into botany, I mean, have, have you had much success on that front? Because I can get so far with my friends by talking to them about unusual orchids or parasitic plants. But recently I found a Jersey cudweed and I was very, very excited. And then I showed it to my friends and they all just looked at me and they said, it's a weed, Isabel. So I clearly have a bit more work to do. So what tips can you give me? I think people who are already interested in nature to begin with, like not necessarily plants, I think they're the sort of people who, who can take an interest in plants. It's, they just need showing them. And have you joined any, you're a member of the BSBI, have you gone along to many of their events? Do you go to training sessions run by other organisations? How have you, before going to university, learnt more about plants? Well, before university, I, I lived in Guernsey in the Channel Islands, which is, it made it quite hard to go to BSBI meetings because it's, it's a long way away. <laughs> it's quite expensive. So really, I worked with a local organisation called the Societe Guernseys. They were almost the equivalent of BSBI in Guernsey. Tell us a bit about the flora of Guernsey, because it, it's obviously not as close to mainland England as it is to mainland France. So is, is it quite different? I mean, Guernsey's flora is incredible. I, I took it for granted, I think, because I'm here now and I'm like, where are all these amazing coastal plants? There's just, there's a lot there. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, Mediterranean plants that are on their very northerly limit. So things like sand crocus and Isuetis hystrix, the land quill work, plants like that that you just don't really see in the UK. The nearest equivalent on the mainland United Kingdom is probably the Lizard Peninsula in Cornwall. And what's your favourite wildflower find that you've ever had. It's got to be the hybrid Asplenium ferns on Guernsey. So there's a there's two hybrids, well three hybrids, but I've never seen the third one. It's not been seen in many years. There's Asplenium cross microdon, which is basically a hybrid between heart's tongue and um, lanceolate spleenwort. And then there's also Asplenium cross sarniensi, which is a hybrid between black spleenwort and lanceolate spleenwort. They're pretty much, apart from a few sort of sightings in the Azores, they're pretty much the only place you can find them hybridising. Sarniensi, the hybrid between black spleenwort and lanceolate spleenwort, basically looks sort of like a slightly funny version of black spleenwort. It's quite hard to identify. And then there's cross microdon, the hybrid between heart's tongue and lanceolate spleenwort. I think the best way to describe it is it's divided like lanceolate Spleenwort. The pinnae are almost like, they're almost like little sort of scolopendrium fronds. But these young people are almost as rare as some of the flowers they describe. Flowers aren't just disappearing from the wild, they're also disappearing from children's lives and their language. The Oxford Junior Dictionary has been gradually cutting out nature-related words from its 10,000 entry book, with even common plants like bluebell apparently not meriting a mention, because children just don't use these words. Just a generation ago, 40% of children regularly played in natural areas, compared to 10% today, and a further 40% never play outside. If you're listening to this podcast, you will have at least a passing interest in the natural world, one that is hopefully growing as a result of Wildflower Hour. For many people, that interest will have been sparked in childhood, and we don't want today's children to miss out. So we are launching the Herbology Hunt, a wonderful way of teaching children about the magic of wildflowers. Every month, we will produce a new spotter sheet with wildflowers for children to find. There will be prizes for those who manage to spot 50 plants in one year, and we will also be releasing lesson plans and tips and ideas for teachers and parents. There will be no specific hour for the Herbology Hunt. It will take place all day on a Sunday, and just post your photos on our Facebook group, on Instagram or on Twitter using the hashtag HerbologyHunt and we will pick our favourites every month. The co-leader of the school's work we will be doing is Jane Wilson and I chatted to her about what we've got planned. 
So Jane, do you think children have a good knowledge of wildflowers now? I think it very much depends on their background. Um, sometimes children do surprise me because I'll point to a plant and say, do you know the name of that? And some children will know some un- more uncommon plants. Most children, for example, will know an oak tree, but they don't seem to know many other trees, maybe horse chestnut, or they'll call it a conquer tree. Well, they'll know things like buttercups, dandelions, daisies, but that's usually the extent of their knowledge of all, all the wonderful wildflowers that are out there. And why is that? Do you think it's reduced as well in the past few generations? Well, certainly the school that I have been teaching in, a secondary school, it's in a suburb, and the kids just don't get, get out much into the countryside. I think in other parts of the country where people live out in the country more or it's a market town they've got more knowledge because they've, they're just literally more in touch with the countryside. How do you think we can encourage children to get into botany to start noticing even in urban areas that there are plants everywhere all around them in the cracks in the pavements or in wildflower meadows or wherever they are there'll be a little flower peeping out at them even if it's completely uninvited. I think you've got to um, pique their interest, really. Tell them stories. Children love stories, little stories about the plant, little things about them. For example, Lords and Ladies or Cuckoo Pint. We have that in the hedgerows in the grounds of our school, and the children are fascinated to learn that the, it attracts flies. It's got a nasty smell that attracts the flies, and the flies pollinate the plant, and they get trapped overnight. And the children find this sort of thing really interesting so that kind of thing can can get them involved and just by getting them to look helps them learn what's around them i'm very passionate about that all the time we're telling people they have to look after the environment but how can they truly look after it if they don't know what's there in the first place what is it that they're looking after they're going to be far more passionate about it if if they know what's there and what what they've got to protect and nurture. So you've been a teacher. What can teachers do within the education system to encourage children to to see the plants all around them? Well, certainly in primary school, in the curriculum, it says that they have to learn the names of common plants. Uh, That's part of the national curriculum. And I think in, in primary schools, teachers can actually get the children out there looking. I know that some primary schools have whole days where they have an outdoor classroom. There's been a big movement recently to get children working outdoors, learning in the natural environment. It's a lot easier for primary teachers to do this because they have the class the whole day. It's a lot harder for secondary teachers. But Plymouth was involved in a project learning in the natural environment and the teachers were taking them outdoors, which was tremendous. I think certainly the national curriculum lends itself to the primary schools to get them out there, but in secondary schools, children are learning more about plants in terms of ecology and the environment and food chains, but it can still be done as part of that. Is there a problem with teenagers that botany and wildflowers kind of stopped being cool i just remember as a as a teenage botanist definitely being the only girl in my year probably even my school who was into wildflowers and who knew what any of them were called and who had wildflower books obviously i was a slightly eccentric teenager but why is it that suddenly the natural world doesn't become interesting is it is it just hormones one of those inevitable things that teenagers will pass through and return to botany once they've reached adulthood i think it is sometimes exactly what you've just said that in my experience i'll teach children in you know 
earlier years, uh, year seven and eight. And then later on in the sixth form, you'll find them reminiscing about things that they've done. And they don't forget it. They, they do get this phase where it's not cool to be interested in it. But I think they will still remember things and you might not feel like you not get in anywhere with them but uh, sometimes later on you find out that yes they did remember something i think that some some older children do like it but they might not like to admit it <laughs> Yes, I definitely kept my botanical adventures quite quite on the down low while I was a teenager. Now, what about parents and carers? What can they do to encourage the children they look after to, to get out into the great outdoors? I suppose that the first step is presumably just encouraging them to go outside rather than stay indoors watching television or playing on tablets. I think certainly uh, our idea of giving children a, a sticker chart or an information leaflet and a spotter sheet, there's a motivation there. And certainly children love taking pictures of what they've found. Working with some year sevens and a, um, a lady who was doing a, a psychology study from Plymouth University, we used iPads to take them outside and take pictures of the plants that they were finding and some of the invertebrates they were finding in the hedgerow. And the children really got involved with it and they loved seeing the pictures that they'd taken and, and from there identifying what they'd found and actually taking pictures and being able to upload them. I, I think that's going to be a real incentive for them. And so that's what we've been working on and what we're launching as part of this podcast is Herbology, which will be just like Wildflower Hour. It will be a hashtag and there's a Twitter account, there'll be a Facebook group, Instagram, all aimed at children and young people getting into wildflowers. So just tell tell listeners a little bit about what we're launching now to help children do that. Well, we're going to provide a spotter sheet that people can download um, with information and pictures about the plant. We're keeping it quite easy to start off with because we're only asking them to find five flowers and that they can upload their pictures of plants that they find onto Twitter. I'm going into one of the primary schools I've been working with locally to go and, and take them outside to photograph what we can find in January. The, the spotter sheets make it very easy for parents to get involved because the information is there for them and I, I think a lot of parents do take their children outdoors families go for walks and and this leads itself into an activity they can do while they're on their walk it's a bit like a treasure hunt whilst walking isn't it the treasure is the flowers and the stories behind them so let's talk about the five flowers that we've got for january's spotter sheet which you'll be able to find on the wildflower our website now what are those plants and tell us a little bit about how they look and their stories there's five plants. We ho we're hoping they're plants that are going to be out in January, that they often bloom all year round. One of them is called Shepherd's Purse, which people might be familiar with. It's got a little white flower and it's got very distinctive triangular seed pods. Another one is Gorse, beautiful yellow flowers with an amazing fragrance. And there's a saying about Gorse that kissing is out of fashion when Gorse is out of bloom. It's a traditional saying. I found it's 19th century, but it's because gorse is never out of bloom. Little groundsel is a common plant. It's got tiny little yellow flowers and beautiful bushy white seed heads which look like tiny dandelion clocks. And these are said to look like old man's heads because of the white hair on them. And chickweed is everywhere where people have been gardening. It often grows. It produces a huge amount of seeds. I think one plant can produce about 1,300 seeds. And so it spreads very quickly quickly 
and it grows very quickly too. It can be quite an annoyance for a gardener. Chickweed's got a lovely um, white flower that looks like a star and its genus is Stellaria which comes from the Latin name for star. The hens are very fond of it, hence its name, chickweed. Daisy is the fifth plant. I think everybody knows daisy. (laughs) Children like to make daisy chains, but again, it's one of these plants which, which are in flower pretty much all year round. That was Jane Wilson introducing the Herbology Hunt, and you can find the spotter sheet for January online now. One of our partners in Wildflower Hour is the Wildflower Society, which already has some great resources for junior botanists, and so we have worked very closely with them to develop Herbology Hunt. If a child joins the society, they will get a wildflower diary, which has the plants from the spotter sheets and many more on it. But if they cite Herbology when they join, they will also get a hard copy of the spotter sheet and a free hand lens. Nicola Hawkins is from the Wildflower Society, and I asked her for tips on getting children excited about plants. So Nicola, you're part of the Wildflower Society. Just explain to podcast listeners what that is. We're a society that exists mainly to encourage more people to take an interest in botany and in wildflowers and it's always been our aim to especially encourage more children and young people. So when the society first started, the founder was taking her young sister out on walks and then her friends came along to join in as well and then it grew into a bigger society with people sharing their lists and telling each other where to find plants. In recent years, for various reasons, we've not had so many juniors. Difficulties with people getting out, increasing pressures of schoolwork and homework. That's such a shame that children aren't having the chance to get out quite as much. Is that as a result of technology, just a a lack of knowledge of wildflowers amongst their parents, perhaps? Yes, I think partly it's the members we do have tend to be where there's a parent or a grandparent who is interested and can take them out to look for plants and reaching the others is more difficult. The school curriculum as well, just recently they have started reintroducing the need for children to actually know some species of plants but for a long time there was nothing like that in the curriculum and so the teachers didn't learn it and so the children didn't learn it but hopefully that tide is starting to turn and there is a bit more on the curriculum and again any new initiatives to improve that situation can only be a good thing. So how do you get children into wildflowers? You've got a number of resources as a society to help encourage them to start spotting plants as they're out yes, and about. Yes, so our own members who join up will receive a diary. So that has the names of some some of the commoner plants that they're likely to find. And always a few notes about those plants and they can fill those in. And then at the end of the year, send in the diaries and they can earn a badge. And then also, importantly, get some guidance for what to look at next. We don't necessarily want it to become all about the numbers game, but that can be a good way to to get them to look more closely, to look at more difficult plants. So if someone's just a few plants off their next badge, then we'll say to them, actually, maybe you could start looking at some grasses or looking at some ferns. And that does encourage them to tackle the more difficult groups. And what sort of finds have some of your junior members had? There, there must have been a few that have been quite unusual or surprising. Well, we've had members from all different parts of the country, so it's really interesting to see. And sometimes there will be local rarities, but actually I've had a diary from Devon and a diary from Skye, and there's always a few plants that they will find wherever they come from, as well as the rarer or more localised species. 
And in terms of Wildflower Hour, we're obviously launching Herbology, which is going to work alongside what you're doing. And we're running Spotter Sheet for children. Can you give parents or carers some tips for helping the children they're with to, to start looking and see flowers in the kind of green haze of plants that people often just completely overlook? A lot of it is just having your eyes open wherever you are. So yes, there are rare species that we need the nature reserves to protect. But a lot of the time, if you go to a park or even if you have a grass verge, you can find a few species we've had. And actually, we sometimes find the junior members are better at this. So the adults might have all their wonderful finds from their protected sites, but actually the junior member will spot a plant in the car park when they're going to the library, or they'll spot plants at the end of their road. And it's also interesting the descriptions that the junior members will give us. So again, the adults, they'll, they'll give their grid reference or their GPS, which is what we'd encourage in the end. The juniors will say well, it was on our garden wall. And actually that sort of habitat detail can be interesting as well. Oh, that is interesting. And why why bother? Why bother teaching children about wild, wildflowers? As you said earlier, they do have a lot of pressures on them at school and, and in friendship groups. I have to say that botany isn't always considered the sort of major qualification for being cool when you're a child or a teenager. So what's the point? Well, there are a couple of different reasons. Firstly, the personal benefits, so for people to actually get outside and connect with nature. And there is more research now on the health benefits and the mental health and well-being benefits of actually getting out into nature, fresh air, natural light and green space. But also, of course, a lot of the challenges we have in the world, so in terms of the environment, in terms of degradation of habitat, but also issues like agriculture and food security where we need plant scientists. It all needs people for a start, the actual future scientists to really tackle these problems, but also engage citizens who will care about these issues. And if you want people to care about these big global environmental challenges, then you need them to be able to relate that to species that they've seen and enjoyed. That was Nicola Wilson on Children's Botany. And that's all for this episode. But if you are a parent, a carer or a teacher, please do encourage the children around you to join in with hashtag Herbology Hunt and make introducing children to wildflowers your New Year's resolution. Do keep up with Wildflower Hour, which is between 8 and 9pm on Sundays and go to wildflowerhour.co.uk and we'll see you again for this podcast in two weeks time. Thanks for listening.